Hello and welcome back to our special World Road Championships 2019 episode of Put Your Socks On, or Fizzo, as it's more affectionately known. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Bobby Julik. Mate, it's been a pretty hectic couple of days of time trialing, some fantastic and interesting results. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So proud to be an American. Uh, I won't give away too much Absolutely. of what we're going to talk about here. But yes, thanks everyone for tuning in to our special world championship edition. Uh, we're going to pick up. It's going to be a little bit. We want to keep this kind of chronological. So we're going to pick mm-hmm. up where we left off on Monday by recapping the junior men's TT. Remember, that was the one that was going on as we were recording the podcast. So we didn't really get to give the juniors their their props there. Then we're going to um, also recap the under-23 men's event, the elite women's time trial from Tuesday, and then the elite men's time trial from yesterday, from Wednesday. And we're going to have a special because the junior men's already finished today, so we're going to be able to report on the junior men's road race. So, yeah, and on top of that, we're going to finish the show by previewing all of the remaining road races coming up. So it's going to be a great show. Should we uh, jump into, before we get into the show, there's a couple of um, little news pieces that have kind of popped up as they tend to uh, over the week of the of the World Championships. The UCI kind of puts out some stuff towards, uh, towards what they're doing in the future. Um, they've announced this week, the UCI, uh, a new eSports World Championships will be held for the first time in 2020. Uh, and that'll be officiated by Zwift, which I think has sort of come become synonymous with uh, riding indoors. Bobby, are you a Zwift guy? What do you think about the indoor champs? I'm all for it. I mean, Zwift is here to stay, regardless of the cycling purists out there. Zwift is here to stay. E-bikes are here to stay. And starting to you know, embrace this new technology and get more people on bikes and get more people fit and create this competition that, you know, you don't have to travel these long distances to do it, I think is is a step in the right direction. Because remember, this is a very expensive sport. Not everybody has the means to travel halfway around the world to buy all this equipment. And having the, um, the Zwift technology allows you to do that pretty much from your own home. And obviously, when it comes to, I'm sure they'll have some sort of bracket, round robin, um, and then do an event in a facility that houses everybody so that you know that everyone's on the same material and has been calibrated correctly, which I know has been um, a little bit of a complaint from a lot of the Zwifters out there. But man, if we can get a world championships in in any form of bike racing, I'm all for it. Yeah, look, I have to, I must, like, this hurts me. I hate Zwift. I hate that idea of riding inside. Um, But that's my personal, that's my personal uh, opinion or my my personal feeling towards riding a bike is for me, it's getting outside. But like, exactly like you said, you know, technology is inevitable and the UCI has been notoriously archaic in its adoption of technology. So it's good to see that they are, that they are adopting this and and esports is, you know, overtaking regular sports in terms of participation um, around the world. And as you said, you know, if you can encourage people to, to, to get fitter and healthier and, and ride their bikes, then you can't, you can't uh, knock it. Another thing the UCI have talked about this week was they've got um, for 2020 as well, so next year, um, they've, they've released like the kind of finer details of their proposed classic series, which is 21 one-day races. Uh, it includes the five monuments, 
um, plus obviously you know uh, another uh, another fifteen events, uh, sixteen events. The Writers Association has come out and and slammed it. So the writers have really disagreed with this proposal. And on paper, initially, I was I'm very much for this. I think that we need to create series amongst the world tour in order to um, to stoke engagement and kind of attachment, and also um, encourage the riders to to race more of of these races or incentivize them to. Um, but again, like the the riders are complaining that it doesn't fix. Uh, what is a broken system in that sharing revenue from these races through, through media rights, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that was an interesting, uh, I thought that was an interesting piece of news, sort of, you know, you have to one step forward or two steps forward, one step back. Uh, another thing, um, Bowles Domans, world's number one women's cycling team, uh, both co-title sponsors have, have announced that they're ending their uh, sponsorship at the end of 2019. Which is a huge blow, I think, among all of the positive press and the, and the positive, um, I guess, uh, coverage that that female cycling has been getting over the last sort of, well, twelve to to, to twenty four months. It's a real shame to see see this going. Is this, you know, in some elements, this sport's going, but obviously, you know, the system is still broken in terms of sponsors getting a return for their uh, return for their investment and teams, you know, being able to ensure longevity. You know, sp- sponsors come and go. Once they ab- achieve their objective, then they, they move on to something else. But we just have to hope that there's another sponsor in the pipeline to pick up the sponsorship of this team and, and this race moving forward. Um, only time will tell. That's kind of hot off the press, so kind of tough to comment on that right now. And then, Bobby, uh, the UCI, with uh, in, in, light, uh, in, in looking towards the weekend's races and after, um, and after what would have been a pretty crazy first week, they've decided to shorten the under-23 men's road race. Yeah, very interesting. But yeah, they, they're up, way up north. The weather's gloomy. There's not much daylight. So I think this is the right decision. Nice. Well, before we get on to the rest of the show and the uh, recap of the time trial, we have a little sponsor announcement. Fizzo is made possible with the support of Saris, a manufacturer of bike accessories committed to making their products in Madison, Wisconsin, USA. Makers of car racks, bike infrastructure, and bike trainers, Saris's origins are firmly rooted in an unwavering dedication to the bicycle, and more importantly, the quest to set cyclists free to get in touch with the world around them. Whether that be to or from work, in a virtual environment, or wherever the compass may lead, Saris's range of products have freed millions to experience the power of the bike and ride without limits. To learn more, visit cyrus.com. So, Bobby, we finished with the TTs, and across the board, uh, it's safe to say that it's been interesting and exciting racing, which is not normally two words that you would uh, associate with time trialing, necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I may be a little biased here because that was my event, so I get super excited about it, but man, was there some amazing racing. Um, the weather was pretty dicey. That conditions over the last couple of days were were not the best there was heavy rain that caused some major issues for the under 23 men's event that included some pretty darn spectacular crashes uh from a danish rider and a rider from hungary in particular you know they they got stuck in those puddles as they were being called but i would think that i would consider them more as free-flowing rivers that were coming down down the road and thank goodness they didn't get hurt because those crashes live or reviewed on social media, you, you, 
the, the water actually saved them from getting hurt even more, to be honest. Um, and then the women's race was actually delayed 40 minutes uh, due to these conditions. Uh, and luckily, the weather did lighten up for them. Uh, the elite men had a pretty good run with it, with just minimal uh, rain on the course. But all in all, man, it was super exciting. Yeah, let's start with the, uh, with the junior men and uh, Antonio Tiberi. He had a uh, a monster of a ride, but also like a, a bit of a uh, a bit of an unlucky start. Yeah, what a ride by this kid! Uh, the poor kid's cranks came off at the start. He didn't really know he couldn't really do anything right, and the car that had his spare bike was down at the first turn. So I, I watching this live, I'm like, well, this guy's done. And then with the with when he did finally get to the car, I mean, he had this beautiful Pinarell. Pinarello Bolade time trial bike, and they give him a totally different bike. It's not even a Pinarello anymore. And I'm like, oh, man, this is probably somebody else's spare bike. I mean, th- these are the junior, the junior men. No way does he have this set up. But man, was I wrong because once that guy jumped on that bike, he was riding like a man possessed. And I understand, you know, the first couple minutes you have a bunch of adrenaline going, but then time check after time check, he's just pegging these guys back. And wow, I couldn't have been more impressed, but even more impressed by his demeanor when something as, as, as huge as this didn't knock him off his game. He calmly placed his bike by the side of the car, took the other bike, and just got on with it. And just like the junior woman who took the deviation, the car deviation, and was able to you know, keep her composure, turn around, and get back on the course and still win, we saw some very mature acts by some very young men and, and women over these last couple of days. Absolutely. And a, a notable notable performance there by Quinn Simmons, who we're going to be talking uh, more about later on in the show, but the, the, he was in fourth place. Yeah. Uh, again, he got off to a super good start. Um, it looked like he faded a little bit there towards the end, but when it was done, I just had a feeling like, wait a second, you know, we're going to hear, we're going to be hearing more about this kid. Um, unfortunately, because of the uh, the timing of the podcast, we weren't totally able to, you know, dive into uh, the preview of these uh, of this event for these guys. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, for a time trial to start that strong and then to fade and to be fourth. Man, you can go one or two ways. You can just pull the pin and say, okay, that was it. I blew my chance. Or it can make you hungry. And it made him famished. Did it ever. And I also want to make a note, uh, notable absence of any Australians on the start list there, which is a real shame. Uh, and I feel like a, uh, a bunch of young kids who have been let down by their, by their federation there. Let's talk on about the under-23 men because this race, as we just touched on it, the weather was, was actually insane. Yeah, um, it, it was. And it was really kind of tough watching it on TV, especially when you saw some of those crashes, is what are they going to do here? Like the time trial has started. How are they going to reset the dials? And especially with the, the schedule that they have, there wasn't really much room to you know, do it again the next day sort of thing. But um, yeah, pre-race favorite, Michael Sperg from, um, from, from Denmark. He came through with the goods with all the pressure. You know, everyone was talking about this is the race that he's going to win. And sometimes those are the hardest races to come through with. But what about the Americans? 
I was so excited to see this. Ian Garrison finishing second and Brandon McNulty a close third. What an amazing result for the USA. And like you said, the weather was brutal out there, um, you know, with the crashes and whatnot. And those guys just stuck to their pacing schedule, stuck to their, their plan, and came away with, with two out of the three medals. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I didn't realize, but that's the third time in a row that Mikhail Berg has won that, Bjerg has won that, uh, that title. So, man, another really, really, really good young guy who next year will be in the World Tour, and, uh, and I'm sure that we'll be winning a lot and we'll be talking about him a lot. Uh, yeah, you know he, Gar- he, he, yeah, he actually is, is already signed up for UAE, UAE Emirates next year. Mm. We know that Brandon McNulty is also racing for that team, for so that they're going to be team time, uh, teammates next year. But That's with right. that result from Ian Garrison, I'm wondering, is he, is he going to make the jump to the world tour? You know, yeah, see, I mean, I, I feel like it's a logical step for him, but see, I haven't heard any news on it. Yeah, I, you know, this is just so hot off the press that, uh, but he put, definitely put his name out there. And I have to say, he looked pretty suave up on that podium. You know, he <laughs> must be taking hair care tips from Christian Van Vandeveld because he looked like a GQ model up there on, on the podium. But yeah, I mean, what, what a great sign for USA Cycling. And um, it just gave me a feeling that, man, if we got second and third, Imagine the good vibes that are going around that Team USA camp. And man, were we in for a special treat with the with the women. You're exactly right. Like if that was a precursor, then uh, then I still don't think uh, that you would have been able to quite get your head around the performance of Chloe Dygart the next day. Um, incredible ride. Yeah, the elite women's field this year was stacked, right? You had defending champions, you had Olympic champions, you, you had all the girls were there and ready. And um, like, like we said, due to those terrible conditions in the under-23 race, they decided to um, delay the race for about 40 minutes. I am sure this was an issue for some warm-ups and the pre-race prep, but it was the right call after what we saw in that under-23 race. We didn't want to put anybody else, uh, the UCI didn't want to put anybody else in, in jeopardy there. And luckily... Luckily, uh, the weather did clear up, but words cannot possibly describe the ride by Chloe Dygart Owen today. Um, and I don't know if many people know this, and yes, perhaps the conditions were a little bit different between the under-23 men and the elite uh, women, but do you know that she would have finished 10th in the under-23 men's event? That does not surprise me at all. Um, that that but that's, is it's another planet. Isn't it? That yeah. is another planet. And, yeah. uh, you know, they race the exact same distance, exact same course. Maybe the conditions weren't good. But it just, it just showed from the moment that she rolled off that ramp, she was, she was ready to roll. She was ready to rock. And we all know how dominant she was in the Tour of Colorado when she was ra- racing for the Show Air 2020 team. Um, but to be able to top that performance by winning all the stages, all the jerseys, and the overall – and then having the world championships come up, I was really questioning, is she going to be able to build on that? Because that mm. seemed like it was so dominant, but that question was, was answered. answered. She beat defending world and Olympic road race champion Anna van der Breggen of the Netherlands by over a minute and a half. She beat the defending world time trial champ Amalek van Vluten uh, by even more. 
I think we just I think we witnessed some history today. But she yeah. made it look so e- easy. The way that she got up on the podium, uh, it just gave me goosebumps. That man, she has other fish to fry, and I don't know. I'm throwing it out there. Is she capable of pulling the double? You would. You would not. I yeah. You wouldn't put it past uh, after that performance. You wouldn't put it past her. I mean, you know, like uh, we spoke with um, with a couple of girls. Well, I did a couple of girls who were racing in, at the worlds prior to get their thoughts on on who they thought would be contenders for the time trial, and none of them mentioned Chloe. Um, so she's obviously flying under the radar, or she obviously sorry was was flying under the radar prior to that TT. But she is smack bang in the center of everybody's crosshairs. I think now. Uh, for the race on on the weekend, but with a performance like that, it's going to be more like like. Can you can anyone even follow her? You know, um, we saw uh, at Colorado as you said she can climb well, she can perform at altitude. You know, so that means that like the lower climb, the lower altitude, let like shorter climbs. I, I feel like that's going to suit her better, and uh, it's going to certainly give the Americans a couple of very good cards to play. No doubt about the weekend. that. No doubt about that. And, you know, we know that gambling is a big thing. Gambling on cycling is a big thing, especially over in Belgium. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, um, she may have not even have been on that chalkboard or the the odds were, you know, so great. Um, but let me just tell you, for the road race event, I think she's uh, – those bookies are paying attention and they're lowering those, those odds on her winning, um, no doubt. But we also have to give a big shout-out to Amber Nevin, who at 44 years old came very close to finishing on the podium. She finished fourth place. We heard that she had some mechanical issues during a ride, but she battled through it like an experienced professional that she is. Also, big respect to Leah Thomas, who finished seventh. These girls were so strong. I can only help to think, like, if we would have done that team relay with these girls being even more dominant than the girls from the Netherlands – if, if, you know, what would have happened? But, you know, we'll just leave that for another day, I guess. We have the men's TT and and defending champ Rowan Dennis questioned his form at the start of the race. You know, a lot of controversy, a lot of kind of media attention surrounding him. But he delivered the goods. We had a lot of questions going into this race. You know, was Rolich recovered from the Vuelta? Mm. And... I totally whiffed on that prediction. I thought he would have, you know, been able to recover from that. But uh, let's just say, you know, he didn't have the best day. Um, was was Rohan Dennis going to be back to being <laughs> Rohan Dennis? Uh, you know, would he have the equipment that he needed? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would it be possible for a rider who was a junior, winning the juniors event last year, able to fight it out for the podium with the big boys? And which outsiders would step up to the plate at this stage, well, the, all those all those questions <laughs> were answered. There's no <laughs> doubt about and, it, and and all of those kind of came true a little bit too, didn't they? Absolutely. And and bottom line is, Rowan Dennis pulled a Chloe, and I'm going to yeah. use that term going forward to <laughs> any uber dominant performance. I'm just going to call it a Chloe. So oh, Rowan Chloe. Dennis pulled a Chloe. Dominated the men's field by a convincing margin over 19-year-old wonderkin from Belgium named Remco Evenpol. And coming out of nowhere, Italian Filippo Ghana yeah. was able to, 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 to get in there for the, for the bronze medal. 
And, you know, he, he didn't really come out of nowhere. He's on Team Ineos, and he's a very good time trialist. But it was a little bit surprising, no doubt about it. But, you know, great rides by Patrick Bevan, um, Alex Dowsett, Lawson Craddock by finishing sixth place. Um, I'd have to say that first and second place were pretty clear. But with 15 mm. seconds separating third through eighth, I'm sure there's a lot of those guys questioning where could they have gone just a little bit faster. And, you know, poor Patty Bevan, you know, he lost the Vuelta TT to the last guy to finish. That was Primoz Rolich. And then missed the bronze medal here by three seconds. Uh, I got a feel for the guy. Absolutely, and 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 you know there was there was some notable names who who crashed. Eves Lampert and uh, and Victor Campagnets came down. Um, Campagnets came back up to finish in eleventh uh, after having to 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 remount and then and then hop hop off again and change bikes. So it, like as you said, you know, like you you got to everyone's on the limit. You have to be taking those risks, and and you know as you saw between fourth and and, and sixth, like. Or you know, sorry, uh, third and sixth. Um, it could have gone any way, and it could have been simply, you know, who who decided to uh, to ride the knife's edge, or ride a little closer to the knife's edge than than the other guy. And and um, as we saw there, that sometimes can can go awry. Yep. And and one more thing that that we have to touch on is, uh, you know, Rowan had complained about his equipment, and here he yeah. had the excuse to use whatever equipment that he wanted. And uh, well, evidently he used a blacked out BMC bike during mm-hmm. this year's world championships, the same bike that he won on Innsbruck last year. Uh, yep. The company BMC actually publicly congratulated him via Instagram on his uh, defending his world championship. I don't know what that means, but that no. to me looks like this may be the end of his time at Bahrain Mereda. Um, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Like For a rider of his stature, you know, current world champion, um, to ride a different bike at the World Time Trial Championships, like in the event that he is absolute best at, and win, I've, and win, <laughs> and win, exactly, and win. I feel like uh, that's got to say something about his relationship, obviously, with Bahrain Merida. Again, speculation, but um, but certainly like a pretty loud, uh, a pretty loud um, statement there by by not riding uh, the team issue bike and then by winning the championships. Bobby, I have a question. Does 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 the TT does this does this does this TT the results here that we're looking at? Does that give any indication for Sunday? Uh, you know, we saw guys like Lutsenko, Bob Jungels, you know, um, who were potentially potentially big hitters for that race. They they rode, but they they were a long way down. What do you reckon? Yeah, that's that's tough to say. I mean, that was a definitely a, a, a difficult time trial under you know kind of shaky conditions, and you know the the, the time trial specialist prepared especially for that, but um, not really hitting on the guys that didn't perform. I'd rather hit on the guys that did kind of mm-hmm. show me that they'd be dangerous for for the road race, and you know, can Remco Evenpool actually finish two hundred eighty five kilometers on the road? Well, he won Classica San Sebastian this year, which was uh, over 250 kilometers. But for me, the standout performance in the time trial that has me really licking my lips for the road race is that of Lawson Craddock. Um, Mm. I'm super excited to see what he could do because he came out of the Vuelta in very good form, had a super solid, almost a bronze-winning performance in the time trial. So, yeah, I think, you know, that event is going to be totally... 
the course suits him. Uh, the weather is going to be shaky at best, uh, highs of, you know, in the mid 50s to, to really low 60s. And, um, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. But yes, I, I do think that of those guys that performed in the time trial, that to me, the one that gave the biggest impression was Lawson Craddock. Time will tell. And before we get into our preview of the uh, of the weekends, or of all the road races, sorry, uh, let's just hear a read from our sponsors. Today's episode of Fizzo is also made possible with the support of Garmin. Take your training to the next level with Garmin's line of edge cycling computers, which go beyond just data collection to provide dynamic performance insights that can help you beat your best, like heat, and altitude acclimation. Garmin's GPS bike computers are built tough, have maps for road or trail, and are available in the button-operated 530 or the touchscreen 830. Get yours today at garmin.com. And now let's talk about the road races, Bobby. And I guess just when you thought that the uh, the USA's, Team USA's championships couldn't be going really much better... In walks Quinn Simmons. Yeah, it's kind of hard to do a, a preview of this because we already know <laughs> the results. Uh, so let's just talk about the the team, the makeup of Team USA. We had Quinn Simmons. We had Johnny Lamperti. Um, he rides for the Lux development team as a teammate of, of Quinn Simmons. Michael Garrison, again, another teammate. Uh, Magnus Sheffield, who is on the Hot Tubes development cycling team. And Matthew Riccatello from Lux Cycling Development Team. So right there, you look at the composition of the team, and you already have a good feeling. Like these guys mm. are not just you know teammates for this one day or this one week. They've been teammates all year. And what a incredible team effort today. Watching it live, I thought you know when they made their their move with like 65k to go, there was. Um, um, Magnus and and Quinn in the front. I'm just thinking, oh man, you know, it's a little bit early. It's a little bit early, mm. but that's junior racing, right? These guys go flat out. Tactics are always kind of like a second thought. They're they're just full gas from the gun. But kilometer after kilometer, you saw it kind of unfolding and it falling into the hands of the of the Americans. And when 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 Quinn decided to take off with about, what, 20K, uh, 30K to go. No, 30K to go, yeah. I, again, was questioning, oh, my gosh, this is a little bit earlier. But then you, they, they pan back to the, the Peloton, and you saw that all oh, yeah. of his teammates were still there as well. And, you know, I know he comes from the mountain biking and comes from Durango, Colorado, but the way that he was taking those turns, he was taking a second or two per turn. He was... So fearless, so fearless in those conditions. He obviously trusts his equipment, trusts himself, trusts the road conditions, even though they, they were super, super wet, and came out with an amazing world championship junior victory. Yeah, it was. It was an absolutely um, cracker of a result. And he's just been announced to, uh, that he signed with Trek Segafredo. Uh, they announced it immediately post-race. So another really young guy that's just going to go straight to the world tour, I guess. Um so expect more to hear more from him, and I also feel expect uh, to hear more from Team USA over the coming races. Uh, yeah, so let's move on to the first kind of preview, I guess, um, after the after the junior men, and that's the junior women. 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to pre- preview the the junior women. So let's really talk about the makeup of of that team as well. We got Megan Yastrab from the UH Rally UHE cycling team. We got Ava Skykes from the Lux development team. We got Katie Klaus from the DNA Pro Cycling team. Gabrielle Lennart from the also from the Lux Cycling Development team, and Zoe Taperez from the Lux Cycling Development team. So something tells me that the Lux Cycling team is doing something right if they have this many riders in both the junior men, I'm sorry, the junior men and the junior women's events. Yeah, exactly. You might as well just call Team Lux USA <laughs> uh, for those junior ones because they are, yeah, dominating, which is good to see. It's good to see a junior program um, that's working, that is that exists outside of, of just the national program as well um, because it shows you that, you know, it creates a bit more healthy competition, encourages other sponsors into the sport. And as we're seeing um, with the young, with the with the, the fresh crop of, of bike riders coming through from the USA that are under, all of them under the age of 22 is incredible. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to expect a result from the USA or Team USA there. Absolutely. Let's wish these young ladies the best of luck. They have morale on their side, and let's just help hope that they can take a little bit of more motivation from already five medals in the bank and, and come away with a great result on um, tomorrow. Friday sees the under-23 men's road race. Um, some really strong rides there by a couple of USA guys. It's also a lot of these guys either race in the World Tour uh, and they come back for the under-23 road race or they're about to take the step up to the road race. Um, let's talk about this race. This is going to be an exciting one. Yeah, always a very open race at this level but i'm sure it'll be full gas from the start as well there you know tactics are a little bit more come into play because these guys you know some of them are on professional teams um but let's let's talk a little bit about team usa so we got brandon mcnulty who mm-hmm. is obviously riding very very well he's 21 years old uh from the rally cycling team we got kevin vermark from the Hagen's Berman Action Team. This guy actually won the under-23 Liege-Bastogne-Liege this year and recently finished fourth in the GP Lillehammer. This kid Mm -hmm. is only 18 years old. Then we got Lance Ade from the Avolo Cycling Team. He is our current national under-3 road race champ, and he's 21 years old. We have Matteo Jorgensen, who is now actually stagiaring already for the AG2R La Mondiale team. He won the points jersey in the Tour Avenir and uh, obviously going very, very well. So he's 20 years old. And then the suave model himself, <laughs> Ian Garrison, uh, also riding for the Hoggins uh, Berman action team. So we got, some, we got some hitters. And like I just said with, with the junior women, uh, morale is on the side. Like no one's scared right now. Mm. And success breeds success. So I'm, I'm super excited to watch this race. Um, I also want to see how the recent winner of the Tour Avenir, Tobias Foss, is going to do. Being from Norway, I am sure these conditions will suit him very, very well. But most of all, this under-23 event that I enjoy the most is you're watching the future of cycling. And these many of these guys, like you said, will be in the World Tour next year. And it's just great to say, you know, I knew them when they were young. And tomorrow... Yep. These guys are going to grow up pretty quick, and I'm sure there's going to be multiple guys making that step to the big leagues. 
Absolutely. And I think, uh, yeah, I always love watching the other 23 men's road race. So um, maybe they should, uh, there's been calls for it. Maybe they should have an under 23 women's road race. I feel like that's a bit of a hole in the calendar uh, and a bit of an oversight. But uh, anyway. One one last thing that we need to note of this. Um, The UCI actually decided to shorten this race because of the, um, the, the junior women racing in the morning. They've decided to take this down from three laps around that final circuit to two laps. So it was 192 kilometers, and now it's going to be 178 kilometers. I don't know if that's going to change too much uh, because they can just adjust their tactics as needed. But it is, I think, uh, a good decision to make because you don't want to be putting these these young men in any sort of finishing in the dark situations. No, particularly after particularly after their uh, their time trial uh, conditions last last Wednesday. Um, Let's talk about the women's road race on Saturday, 150 kilometers, 2,000. 394 call it 2400 meters of climbing this is uh this is setting up to be a bit of a showdown 100 i mean coming into it the netherlands were head and shoulders above everyone they they seem to have the strongest team uh weather could be an issue but um i think with having such a strong team and so much left to prove for a lot of these countries that it will be a pretty controlled race uh, can someone like Corin Rivera or Chloe Digart owen fly the flag for the USA? Um, that's a big question mark. We'll, we'll have to see. But let's, let's just recap the, the women's team going into the race. Um, mm-hmm. So we have Ruth Winder from the Trek Segrafredo team. We have Leigh Ann Ganzar from the Hoggins Hog, Berman Spearmint team. Corin Rivera from Team Sunweb. Taylor Wills, from, also from Trek Segrafredo. Leah Thomas from the Biglia Pro Cycling team, and obviously finishing so high up in the time trial, she's looking good. Mm-hmm. And Chloe, Chloe Digart. I mean, what can we say about her? You know, her, she races for the Show Air 2020 team, and yeah, she's on a high. And finishing out that team, we have Catherine Hall from the Bulls Dolmans team. So very, very strong uh women's u.s team flying high the other race favorites you know we got multiple uh three or four big names from the netherlands we have marianne vols yeah. anna van der bregen chantelle black who was uh the, the winner of this event back in 2017 marianne voss actually won this event in 2012 and 2013 and then Emelik van vluten um that's a pretty darn strong team um, yeah, and with a point to prove too, you know, like there was talk that they that they could go one two three at the uh, in the time trial, and they went two three, so they didn't come away with the jersey. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on that team, and uh, yeah, the feel I feel that they're under a lot of yeah under a lot of pressure. But there's going to be a lot more ladies than from these two countries putting it all on the line uh, for medals. So, do, is there anyone else that you are really I, thinking of? Well, I think Lucinde Brand. Um, who just because I watched her ride uh, at the in the women's tour the um, tour of um, Holland uh, a few weeks back and on that final stage um, she went solo and held off a hard chasing I think it was Van der Breggen and Cassia uh, Niewiadoma from Poland who's also someone I think uh, who could do really well on this on this course um, she won uh, the women's Amstel Gold earlier this year, which is a very hilly, very twisty race, and uh, and I know that she's riding quite well. So Cassia could be someone, um, but Lucien Brand, 
someone as well, I think, you know, again, used to this really rolling roads, tight corners. And like I said, that ride of hers where she held off um, two, two very, very, of the, well, two of the strongest women uh, in the world to take a victory. I think that she, uh, she could be a little bit of an outsider. And then moving on to Sunday and the 285 kilometer epic uh, that is the elite men's road race. And the weather looks like it's going to play a big part on Sunday as well, doesn't it, Bobby? Just emphasize what you just said. <laughs> 285 kilometers in that weather on that circuit. Man, oh man, yeah. this is going to be one heck of a race. Yeah. If the weather is as bad as they predict, I really expect to see the classic specialists coming, you know, coming out and having their way with the group. But it, it's kind of interesting how riders are picked or how many countries are allotted, how many starters for this. So let's, let's just break that down. Yeah, how does that go? So the nations ranked 1 to 10 may enter up to six riders at the start, so 80 riders total. It's not like they have to have eight riders, um, but they, they normally try to fill out that squad. The nations ranked 11 through 20 can enter six riders, so that's a total of 60. Uh, nations ranked 21 to 30 may enter four riders, so that's a maximum of 40. And nations ranked 31 to 50 may enter one rider. So that's a maximum of, of 20 riders. So, and how, the, and how do they, sorry to interrupt, but like how are those nations ranked? Uh, just on the, basically the, the UCI um, rankings, they have the team, they have the individual, they have the team, and then they have the country rankings. So okay. um, that's available on all the websites. So there's, you know, it's, it's pretty clear. Um, it's it's all, the usu- all the usual suspects. But I tell you one thing, on a course like this, in the weather like they're going to have, I'd rather have eight riders at the start than four riders at, at the start. And that's, that makes a big difference, right? I mean, you have to, have to have it. So, you know, kicking into this, uh, talking about who we have for the men, um, because, yes, we only have four starters. We have Alex Howes, our national road race champion, recently mm-hmm. uh, who races for the EF Education First team, recently did the Tour of Utah and the Canadian one-day races. Our boy Lawson Craddock coming hot out of the Vuelta, uh, mm-hmm. looking very good. Sixth place in the time trial. I think he's got some uh, some other things on his mind there. Uh, we have Chad Haga from Team Sunweb. And Nielsen Paulus, great teammate to Primoz Rolish in, in the Vuelta, yeah. as was Sepp Kuss. Uh, so hope he recovered well. I mean, he's only 23 years old and coming out of a Grand Tour and, you know, trying to recover and keep that motor running at the same time could be quite tricky. But, um, yeah, there are four guys. Uh, they're a little bit, you know, understacked in terms of numbers, but they're going to have to play the tactical game and play off these, these countries that have, you know, the full contingent of eight riders out there. And then moving to moving on, like, you know, I think the U S like they've got a bit of an underdog team, you know, we'll look to kind of capitalize on, on, on some of the work of the other bigger teams. Who who are we looking at the favorite? Like who who are the favorites? Matthew Vanderpol and Sagan have to be the five star red hots. This 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 course and the conditions is the way they're shaping up look to suit those two, right? Oh, absolutely. I you know Sagan you can never count out, and in this these sort of conditions, um, absolutely. Michael Matthews obviously coming off um, you know some good results in Canada, but I about Michael Matthews, you know he wasn't with that that lead uh, five guys that attacked on that climb in, in Quebec. Yeah. 
Mm. He did come back and win the sprint, but then he wasn't there the next day in the Montreal race. So that shows that maybe maybe his form yeah. isn't as good as we, we think it is. Um, but yeah, interestingly, that that though uh, um, the Aussie team has been built around him solely, and they they have a very very good team with guys like um, Mitch Docker, uh, of course Simon Clark, and um, uh, and the names escape me right now. But they do have a very they have a very strong lineup, and they're all uh, flying towards putting uh, putting Matthews on that top step. So they may ride. You know, you may see them try to control it, which will be interesting to see. Yeah, he. I wouldn't put him as a five star. I'd put him at a, as a four and a half star favorite for me. Yeah. But the the team to watch, the is is the team from Belgium. Yeah. You know, with, with Gilbert, Greg Van Avermet as those five star favorites, and then Oliver Nyssen and little young nineteen year old Remco Evenpool. Yeah. I mean, not to mention all the workers that they have there. But I'm a little bit concerned about having too many cooks in the kitchen for this team. But mm-hmm. They're going in. They're going to have a plan. They're going to execute the plan. They've known each other since they were teenagers, most of these guys. And uh, we'll see where that where that unfolds. I also want to put out Michael Valgren. I mentioned him on the last podcast. This sort of weather, he loves this sort of weather. And mm. you can never count out a guy like Jakob Fulsong. Um, so those two guys obviously being from Denmark. I think you got to put Al- Philippe up there with the the year that he's had. And just the cagey, aggressive rider that he is, uh, he's definitely up on my list. Uh, Trentine from Italy, he seems to me to be kind of like the sole leader of that team. So we'll see how that pans out, like a team coming in with one leader compared to a two, three, or even four-pronged attack. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, the main guy on everyone's lips is Matteo Vanderpol. Can he do what he's done up until this point? At the world, on the world's biggest stage in the World Road Race Championships. We've seen him do it in all these other races. He's definitely going to be a marked guy. And I tell you, if he comes away with this victory, uh, he, he's just automatically legend status if he isn't already. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's going to be the man to watch and the man to beat. You can never, though, count out a guy like Valverde, current world champ. Um, I don't think the course suits him in the same way it did last year, but you know, like he's finished on the podium at the World Championships like six or seven times, I think. So, and he's super resilient, and this guy mm. is tactically smart. And again, I see him being the leader of the team from Spain, so yeah. that could could really help. But another guy I want to put on the radar, and if I'm going to go out on a limb and actually pick him as a surprise winner, not such a surprise winner, but <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Alexander. Kristoff from Norway. This guy is like a seal. And in this sort of weather, in those sort of conditions, just that constant grind, constant grind. He's got some good teammates to help him. He is riding well. Um, You know, picking those five-star favorites is a a winner is easy. But I'm going to play the odds here and and go with Alexander Kristoff. He won Flanders a few years back in a pretty... um a pretty dominant style, and this race isn't too. I mean, it doesn't have the cobbles, obvi- cobble, cobbles obviously, but it has the the climbing. Uh, you, yeah, that's not a bad. And he's won the worlds before. Time. He's won the worlds before, so um, you know, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be so exciting to watch. Um, it's going to be a long day out there in that sort of weather. Two hundred eighty-five k. That's got to be over a seven-hour race, I would think. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a long one, and it's going to be a good one, Bobby. 
Fantastic show. Thank you very much. That's the preview of the World Championship Road Races coming up. Thank you to all our fans for listening in. Uh, if you guys have any questions or anything, we didn't get to super fan questions today. We'll get to them back in the regular show, but keep asking them. We've had plenty come in this week, and, uh, yeah, keep them rolling in. Appreciate that, everyone. And uh, until Monday, uh, enjoy your weekend. Yeah, thanks, Gus. That was a great show, and um, go Team USA.